Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. Even before its recent legalization through Measure 109, Portland has had a long history of under-the-table psychedelic therapy. Gabe K.S. is the founder of Rhizome, a communal space in Portland where he facilitates people having their own psychedelic experiences. So today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with him about how he's seen the psychedelic community change as legalization comes into play. It's Monday, March 27th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. So before we get into it, uh, could you help define what the difference is between recreational and therapeutic psychedelic drug use? That is an excellent question. As far as I understand it, therapeutic drug use is drug use with a stated purpose to sort of address or alleviate some sort of uh, issue, whether it's physical or mental. In the case of psychedelics, it's typically for, for uh, mental illnesses, although that's changing. Um, recreational drug use is drug use for the sake of, of pleasure, connection, togetherness, fun. Um, I, I actually think there's quite a bit more overlap between the two than people would care to admit. I ask you because you live between both of these worlds. Uh, you're a psychedelic guide. Uh, so what goes into guiding someone through a, a psychedelic journey? Yeah, I, I prefer to call myself a facilitator only in as much as guide implies like that I'm somehow directing the experience. Um, a lot of what goes into it is just building a safe container for a person to have uh, a really intense and revelatory experience in. So I'm there sort of to hold down the fort, as it were, in consensus reality while they explore these different dimensions of, of their internal world. I also do a lot of verbal processing with them, usually on the, on the tail end of the experience when they're able to use language again. They come back and we have really nuanced and rich conversations about what they felt and what they saw and how we can apply those things to their normal, sober, waking lives. Do you have a rough number maybe of how many of these uh, facilitations you've conducted? Yeah, so I, I do. I have a, a working, every time I... I hold a session, I take note. Um, and I think I'm at 111 or 112 experiences. Wow. So having that much knowledge, what myths are there that you want to dispel? So many. I would say that first and foremost, um, the very pervasive myth that these things are dangerous. They are dangerous in as much as a, a car or a book of matches is dangerous which is to say if you use them recklessly and carelessly and irresponsibly, there will be consequences. But we don't go about banning matches or cars 
we entrust them in the hands of people who know how to use them properly. And when you know how to use one properly, of course, it's not a guarantee that, that nothing's going to go wrong. But on the whole, these are very safe, physically and, and emotionally very safe compounds. And yeah, I mean, I, a lot of what I do with people, honestly, Claudia, is just like reminding them that their own internal worlds are full of things both good and bad and frightening and comforting, and that there's really nothing to fear about facing the self um, if you look at it with compassion and, and with honesty. What uh, substances are you using for these facilitations? Yeah, so I mainly work with psilocybin-containing mushrooms, mm -hmm. but I also work with a compound called MDMA, methylene dioxymethamphetamine, and a compound called DMT or dimethyltryptamine. Those are the big three that I work with. So what kinds of things have you seen happen to people during these experiences? I've seen a, a very wide spectrum of responses in these containers. Um, I've seen people have what to the outside observer looks like a very peaceful and almost kind of a boring and uninteresting experience where they're just eyes closed, fully in their internal world, not communicating. I've seen people go into what's called a regress state, so really sort of turn the, the timeline back in their in their lives and and act out like some, they're acting like a kid yeah like a child yeah oh wow yeah that's often the case if, if people have really severe trauma they'll regress um i've seen people have really intense somatic responses to these medicines so their bodies will react in really interesting ways shaking sweating um and i've also seen people especially men interestingly enough sort of encounter themselves as if for the first time. So meet themselves like they're meeting a stranger because they've spent a lot of time uh, alienated from their, their internal worlds. Repressing their emotions. Exactly, yeah. That's why I feel like most men, when you're telling someone, oh, you look really stressed out, and they're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and I feel like that's such a like I feel like I've there's every man does um, that when you're just like, well you're yelling right now so you seem upset <laughs> I'm perfectly fine <laughs> yeah yeah totally yeah and that that stuff yeah. doesn't fly in the psychedelic space so that kind yeah. of denial that kind of like uh, repression um, is there's no space for that I call them lie detectors because mm. they will not tolerate any degree of of uh, artifice or bullshit. Can I curse on this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can fucking curse. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. You you were you just said uh, you know, one of the myths you wanted to dispel was that these were inherently dangerous, but you also compared them to matches or a car, basically something that could be used uh recklessly. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um well, like, what do people need to check in for themselves before these have they have these experiences? Because I feel like everyone has heard about that one person that wasn't like quite right to begin with, then does mushrooms or something, and then their mind broke. It, it certainly happens. Um, one thing to note about those ex uh, sort of types of experiences is that oftentimes there's a latent, what's called a, a latent or a dormant psychosis or mental illness that is brought to the surface by an intense stressor. And sometimes that intense stressor is the death of a family member, a tragic accident, um, getting mugged or robbed or, or assaulted in some way. And sometimes it's a psychedelic experience. But oftentimes that sort of underlying condition was there to begin with and the psychedelic just brings it to the surface. 
But you asked, you know, what are things that people should be mindful of? People should really check in with what's called their intentions. So why are you going into this experience? What do you hope to to get out? Um, And then also do a kind of scan of their relationships and their lives and parse out things that could be addressed to kind of lessen the overall stress. This is something that people should be doing regardless, right? But especially Mm -hmm. if you're going to undergo a really intense, possibly transformational experience like this, it's really important that you have a read on what could come to the surface and how you plan on, on dealing with it, with the caveat that there's no way to predict, right? Do you think some of these, you know, bad trips or so is someone just not able to let go? And it's that inner conflict or? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Have you ever tried psychedelics? Um, I've tried mushrooms a few times, but honestly, my stomach hurts so much. I mm. hate feeling nauseous yeah, yeah. that I could never do it again. But I did enjoy, I did enjoy experiencing. It felt like, it felt like being high, but without the dullness that I feel like uh, marijuana mm. does for me. That's cool. Something to note, just a, a quick riff on that experience, if I may. Um, a lot of people really struggle with the body load of, of mushrooms. A lot of people get really physically uncomfortable. There are hundreds of different psychedelic compounds in the world. Some of them are plant-based, some of them are mushroom-based, some of them are fully synthetic. They all have something to offer, and they all have a really wonderful and different profile. Interesting. What would you suggest would be the next thing to try if I were going to try something that weren't mushrooms? I, um, I'm really interested in a compound called 2CB. It was synthesized by Sasha Shulgin in the mm-hmm. late 70s. And it's, um, it's based on mescaline, which is a cactus, cactus-based mm, psychedelic. I know what mescaline is, yeah. 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 So it's basically, um, yeah, the mescaline molecule altered slightly and, and fully synthetic. And that one has an incredible therapeutic profile. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break here. Uh, but when we come back, let's talk more about your communal space rhizome. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So Oregon has decriminalized what were considered like harder substances um, and now has also uh, legalized therapeutic uh, psilocybin. But what you're doing isn't exactly recognized by law. Like, what's up with that? Isn't your whole operation just a little risky? Absolutely. So we fall outside the boundaries of Measure 109 in as much as we're not an approved service center. And we work with a whole spectrum of of people, some of whom have licenses and some of whom don't. But we operate somewhere between the below ground and the above ground. We, and when I say we, I'm speaking about the Rhizome, which is the organization that I run alongside my my dear friend and colleague, Evan Segura. Um, We hold a whole variety of, of containers for people who are using psychedelics in different ways. We're not strictly therapeutic. We also welcome people who use drugs that fall outside of those margins. 
we're very harm reduction focused. A lot of these clinics have a kind of one track, like therapy, therapy, therapy. We do a really holistic, broad strokes thing, some of which is, uh, is outside of the boundaries of, of federal and local law. Yeah. So how does the introduction of a license process uh, change what you do? How does the, like the legislation of Measure 109 change what we do? Yeah, like how is it going to change what you do or how is it changing what you do? It's certainly bringing a lot of people out of the woodwork, so to speak, who otherwise wouldn't have known or been interested about these um, these compounds and these techniques. Um, so it's, it's bringing a more mainstream audience, a more kind of like I call them the NPR crowd, right? Older, white, upper middle class, liberal people who maybe experimented with psychedelics in their youth, but had no idea that they had this, this other side to them. So it's broadening our audience, definitely. It's also bringing a level of scrutiny from regulatory boards and legislators that previously we didn't necessarily have to deal with. So it's turning some eyes on operations like ours. We also offer services at the Rhizome that are far less expensive and everything is offered on a sliding scale because we're committed to economic justice, actually committed to it, not just like a publicity PR thing where you're saying it just to say it and, and get you know brownie points. We are um, practically and, and truly committed to economic justice. Uh, it's interesting because, I mean, it's inherently different than, hey, I'm going to go into this doctor's office. Tell me specifically about your space. Like, How is it different from that and why is it important? So the Rhizome is a community space that breaks from the typical medical or therapeutic model in as much as we are not that kind of therapeutic office style space. It's a vibrant living community space. The space is full of artwork and plants. It's not stuffy. It's very homey. Sometimes it's a little messy. Um, And that's what we try to cultivate. We want to make it feel like a home and like a center, like a a truly safe space for people to come. A lot of people have been actively traumatized by typical therapeutic containers and medical containers. And a lot of people, especially people of color and marginalized people, carry a deeply felt mistrust for people with a lot of letters after their names and crave a more community-oriented, grassroots approach to their own healthcare. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a sec, because I've been finding this interesting. I feel like in every indigenous community or, you know, just community in general has a history of using psychedelics in a communal space. And either it's a shaman or it's a it's like a celebration of sorts. Um, And I just find it like interesting that we have a tendency in like in, in, you know, I don't know, post-capitalism where you're just like, okay, what else can we market and sell? And what are we able to get away with in a sense, uh, even though at the same time people need it, people are, are the, the pills aren't working, this isn't working, that's not working. Let's go back to the roots of what people used to do to, you know, ki- kind of heal each other. And I can't imagine that there isn't someone in the indigenous community right now just being like, oh, I hate all of this. <laughs> because just to be like, to, to, you know, be forced into schools, to be basically told that what you're doing is, is, is barbaric. It is, um, 
illegal. It is, you're, you're going to like, literally people died practicing their medicines. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And, and I should be clear that, you know, we are not shamans or practicing in a shamanic space whatsoever. We don't really pull in our personal practices from indigenous traditions because those aren't my people and I can't lay claim to that, to that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can do is offer an alternative that's based on my own lived experience for people who look and think like me or who don't look like me, but want something that, that's not that standard medical model. And then you pointed out something really, really important here, which is that this is and was meant to be a communal experience. This is not something that's supposed to be privatized or strictly used in a one-on-one container. So we try to make space for, for people who seek that kind of experience as well. Don't just want to be sitting in a room with one person. Um, wish to be in community and wish to be surrounded and, and held by people that they know and trust. Yeah. It's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so if someone's listening to this right now and going, hey, this is this sounds, I want to learn more about it. This forum that you guys are having, Discovering Psychedelics, an intro and a community forum. Tell me about it, like when it's going to happen and what people can get out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Shouts out to Noah Heller. We're putting on an event on the 28th at the Clinton Street Theater at 6.30 p.m. Um, it is called Discovering Psychedelics, an intro panel. It's going to be myself and a series of brilliant colleagues and friends of mine presenting on various topics related to psychedelics. But this event in particular is really geared toward curious people who are just starting on their psychedelic journeys and want to know more. And I personally am presenting on psychedelic history and policy. So I'm going to be talking a bit about how the laws have changed over time, how the culture has changed over time, where we are now versus where we were five years ago, 20 years ago, etc. And yeah, just really mapping out a timeline because these, along with every single one of these drugs comes a really rich and interesting history. And people who seek to be in relationship with them uh, owe it to themselves to learn a bit about where they came from, perhaps where they're going, and certainly where they are right now. Well, thanks again, Gabe, for making time uh, to speak with us. This was a really interesting conversation. To be honest, I wish we didn't have to stop talking, but we have work. We have yeah. Things no, I, I, I got so you. Yeah, I know you do too. Totally, totally. Thank you so much, Claudia. It was it was really wonderful speaking with you. And now for your microdose of news. Multnomah County has delayed plans to quickly move 300 people off the streets of Old Town and the Central East Side into housing. Now, the county had successfully tested the idea last year and housed about 100 people by paying their rent and security deposits. The county blames their slow action on delays in state funding, but will move ahead with just 100 people by the end of June. And in devastating news, Walter Cole also known as legendary drag queen Darcel 15, passed away last Thursday at 92 years old. She was considered to be the oldest working drag queen in the world, having been crowned so by the Guinness World Records back in 2016. Now, if you're interested in learning more about this celebrated Portland icon, we'll be re-airing a special episode tomorrow that documents Walter's transformation into Rose City's grandest dame. We're going to miss you, Walter. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed this show, why not tell a friend, rate, or leave us a review? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.